what's been happening? Um, well, I mean, I've been just teaching drums and living somewhat normal life, I guess, considering <laughs> what my life was like for the last 10 years and what it's like now. It's very different, but mm. I'm actually good with that. It's cool to have it, have it, to mix it up a bit. Yeah. Been tracking some drums as well, which has been fun for a new record. So, oh, awesome. Awesome. Damn, that's trippy. I guess you were like, you were on a touring hype there for a minute, huh? <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, big, big time. Like, it was like six to nine months a year touring. And then January last year, that just was like, mm, this is going to be the last tour you do for. I don't know how long. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. But honestly, like, um, obviously I love playing drums, love touring and whatnot, but it is nice to live like a normal routine, have somewhat normal routine. I've been enjoying that. <clears throat> <laughs> Do you think you can go back? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be weird. It's just going to be weird to get, uh, yeah, to just slip back into that world after being in the normal real world for I don't know how long, you know, but at the same time I'm stinging for it. I'm stinging for that live godlike feeling that I haven't experienced in a long time. So <laughs> but yeah. Otherwise I'm not really stinging for planes. <laughs> planes can get fucked. I caught, I caught a plane the other day and it was so weird. Super weird. Everyone masked up. Every single every single seat was taken on the plane. I thought that was really weird. Everyone was like, um. As in there were no restrictions on people on the plane. Yeah, exactly. I oh, mean, wow. Bar, wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the recycle there would have got us all, but <laughs> it was fine, though. It's fine. Weird, but fine. That must be trippy. I I don't think I'd want to get on a plane right now. Hmm. Neither. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> only a short. It was only like a two-hour plane to from Sydney to Melbourne. But yeah, still felt very weird. And the, the airport's like very empty, so I didn't expect getting on the plane for it to be literally full. The whole thing. Uh, so I was like walking around the airport. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a chill flight. Got on there, I'm like, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Anouf? What have you been doing? I mean, it's it was kind of interesting hearing you speak your perspective on, like, your turn of events because it was the polar opposite for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I mean, touring-wise, I haven't done anything like what you guys have been doing. But still, there was, like, a point where it just kind of started going down and down and then, Finally just made that my, it was actually for my dog cause he was getting pretty old and he had like a spine thing yeah, going on. So I just oh, no. decided to like stay home pretty much what 2016 onwards yeah, and only do things here and there for mm-hmm. traveling. And so I got really used to a routine in home life. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know got like the, the thought of getting back in like a van. I'm just like, <laughs> No, thanks. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I mean, if the opportunity comes up, that'd be pretty cool, you know, but it, 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 I'm going to be so much more of like a selective little, little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can be though. Like, I think you're at that, that time where, yeah, you don't have to grind out. You don't have to just start a new band and go in, like go for yeah. the top, you know. I'm it's sure not even like. Sorry. No, I was, well, was going to say it's not even like a feeling of like, oh, I've paid my dues. It's just like my back can't do that yeah. anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're, we're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's different these days. The, the novelty of the old van travel has washed away <laughs> years ago. <laughs> the novelty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was once a novelty no i do agree with that <laughs> i can't believe it I, I actually can't believe that was like at one point in my life i was just so excited and thrilled to do that yep but good time we did it together man across canada isn't that yeah. crazy yeah that was, that was ages ago yeah that was when was that Is it, uh 2013 or maybe 12. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was back then. Texas in July. You were playing with intervals. Intervals. The next time I saw you, you guys were, <laughs> you guys were playing with Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> was that, the, yeah, that was. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good fun. I just remember that tour being, there's so many good drummers on that tour. That Canadian one. I remember mm. you and Adam Gray just doing like crazy practice pad shit together. We were nerding out with that you stuff. You guys were fully nerding out and like yeah. you were both speaking like the exact language that the other could <laughs> understand. You're like, yeah, let's do this in sevens and I'll be like on the offbeat and you. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, what the fuck? Oh, man. You guys are crazy. It was cool. You just knew how to relax before a show. <laughs> we were just the ones like you did drums, you know, like <laughs> and I'd sit there just watching just going, Whoa. Should I be doing this? <laughs> should I join in, just slip a stick in? <laughs> it was good to watch. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I saw right. you guys in Toronto. Yeah. Do you remember Last that when we were there? Yeah, that big ass venue. I forget what it's called, but it's like a 3,000 cap venue or something like that. You guys played with Bring Me the Horizon. Yes. About to say we did not play that on our own. <laughs> huh? About to say we didn't. I thought you were saying our last tour and I was like, Whew, we didn't do 3,000 people. But with Bring Me, yes. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah. It was that super big like industrial Toronto venue or something. Yes. And it was like... Yes. It was incredibly epic. There was like, I remember, I forget if you guys, did you guys have like some pyro or smokestacks or something? I doubt it. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I can't, that, that was near the water, right? It was right on the water, that venue. It was right on the water. Yeah. Water. It was, what was crazy about it, there was like a trip from like touring with you. Cause that was like a couple of years later, I think, but like think so, yeah. touring with you and we were playing like tiny to like, okay whatever and then yeah. bam three thousand cap gigantic stage <laughs> we, were, yeah. we were pretty lucky we haven't toured with bring me since so 
Yeah, you came. Well, what to, the fuck? You came to a good one. I know, right? <laughs> what do we do? Did we not kill? Sorry, <laughs> what's the curse? What's the cursing situation here? I, I... Whatever you guys want, <laughs> <laughs> just keep it real. Keep it like a you know actual okay. chat. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, be... yeah. Well, I mean, there's been a pandemic, so my mind is a little bit, you know. How is the sitch like around you? Oh, it's ridiculous. America is just ridiculous. Yeah. I shouldn't say America. The U.S. is ridiculous. Yeah. We just started, uh, like, there's been a bunch of states that have lifted the mask mandate. Okay. So it's no longer mandatory to wear a mask. And then uh, on top of that, there's a few states that have now put back 100% capacity in like restaurants and gyms and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And then there's other states that are slowly doing it. Like Maryland, I think we're at like 50% capacity or something like that for restaurants. But in Maryland, you still have to wear a mask. In Texas though, they're just like freedom. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so, Yeah, exactly. So I don't really know how I feel about that because yeah, we're like vaccinating people, but a, not everyone's vaccinated and B not everyone wants a vaccine. So like, mm. I don't know. It's all kinds of stuff over here. Yeah. Fuck man. Well, I'm ho- I hope you're okay. I'm good. Yeah. Good. Waiting for the needle. Yeah. When's that? No clue. <laughs> I'm a musician. So I'm like the, <laughs> yeah, the bottom. <laughs> Like the last priority. (laughs) Is it still snowing there? No, man. We've had we've had some really nice warm weather finally. All of the the winter weather kind of broke apart. So that's another thing. Like the entire middle of our country just like a couple of weeks ago was like iced over. Yeah. And then like three days later they like experienced flooding. Oh and then there was like tornadoes like a couple of days after that. What the fuck? So, like, <laughs> Just natural disasters left, right, and center. Yeah, it was wild, man. <laughs> wild. What can you handle? Yeah. What, what can happen next? Earthquakes, volcano appears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the sea. In the ground. What are you, Nick? What have you been doing? Um... Not much, just teaching, practicing as much as I can. Good boy. <laughs> um, and just working on my own music as well. You know Jono Peters, yeah. right? Yeah, just getting him to do the guitars on on my own stuff. So that's been keeping me busy. Um, I really miss gigs. Um, it's funny that you guys were saying like, not wanting to get back into the van and and stuff. But at the time when I was gigging, I'm like, fuck, I hate loading in through like going through lifts of hotels. And, but now I actually miss it. Like I feel like I took it for granted. Just really want it to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. <laughs> but um, yeah, apart from that, fine. Just the same old. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. What have you all, um, you guys been working on? Have you been practicing on like 
for anything in particular. I know you're doing the recording, Nick, and mm. Anoop, you're constantly recording. So, yeah. like, what are the current projects? Yeah, I'm recording for a new record. Mm-hmm. Um, we've broken it up into with, two. Uh, North yeah, yeah, with Northlane. Hell yeah. So, um, that's pretty fun. Um, obviously, we've had, like, more than enough time to write and we have more songs <laughs> than we've ever had for, for a record. So, um, I mean, that's good and bad in terms of it's great to have heaps of music, but it's just more stuff to learn. Um, but we, yeah, with our last record, we broke, broke it up into two sessions and I, I really enjoyed that because it allowed me to sort of focus on the songs in two halves. Like I could, just purely focus on five or five or six songs initially, and then the other five or six later. Um, so doing that again this time, which is pretty cool. Um, so I've already done a bunch of songs in January, and then I've got some more coming up in about a month or so that I'm working on. So that's that's kept me kept me very busy. What's the writing process like on this one? Did John still like predominantly do a bit of stuff first and then send it to you guys? Yeah, yeah. This is very, very normal North Lane procedure. Yeah. When John, the guitarist, he's the, the main songwriter and he will lock himself in his room and write stuff till the cows come home. Um, but, yeah, he, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll write everything pretty much. Um, and these days he's really good at writing drums. Um, so, you know, it's kind of my job to listen to how he's sort of approaching the drum parts. Obviously he's, he's not a drummer. So some, some parts don't come naturally to the kit. So I have to sort of adjust how they would sort of flow. Um, but there's been, I think over the last couple of years, like North Lane's sort of, uh, moved more into the electronic realm, I guess, especially with. Uh, the drumming, I mean, obviously the soundscape stuff, there's a lot of synth going on, but the drumming's sort of adopted a lot more electronic sort of styles <coughs> to it, you know, kicks four on the floor and relatively straight, almost like copied and pasted drums, right? Like, which I kind of find scary because <laughs> I, because <laughs> they're so perfect, you know, each bar, bar to bar is like super perfect. And I think I'm generally a player who's, I like to use a lot of dynamics and whatnot. So playing super straight, like obviously the parts are probably easier than some of the parts I've played in the past, but since this is super straight, all the dynamics are like perfect from bar to bar. I find that a new challenge for me. So that's been interesting sort of adopting drum and bass style drums or even just like straight electronic drums obviously there is a lot less to remember in terms of like you know what I'm playing my parts but um it's just a different style so that's something new to me which has been interesting and um I guess I've just been trying I've got an electric kit in my apartment um and then at my parents' house, I, where I teach, there's like a there's like a drum room there. I'm really lucky that they can they allow me to still teach there and have this room where I can have my gear just all over the place. <laughs> um, so, 
yeah, it's been it's been handy. I've been recording myself and sort of trying to trying to tighten up everything before I actually enter the studio. So I think my process prior to the studio is quite long these days, but seems to be working. So how, how do you find live? I mean, when you were performing live going from, cause you would play a mix of singularity stuff and whatever, plus the new albums mm. going from the real sort of technical drum parts to the more simple groove type stuff. Yeah. Was it like, do you find that you're sort of, is it a seamless transition basically? Um, well, yeah, I think obviously since the, the parts are less technical, <clears throat> I appreciate that because it allows me to just sort of relax a little bit more live. Like I think in the past, some of the drum parts, like, well, I think the live setting wasn't considered with earlier Northlane stuff. So <laughs> sometimes there's parts that are like quite tricky and not really, um, like say, you know, maybe there's a part that was written that was really cool. And I was like, cool. Yeah, I'll try and do that. And I figured out a way to do it, but it wasn't, didn't, it wasn't like flowy or it was, you know, technically quite difficult. So it would affect the way I would play it. And then these sort of, when you have these, these, these kind of sections or fills or whatever it is in my mind, when they're really tricky and you, you know, there's a high percentage chance of you actually fucking it up, then it becomes like a speed bump in the set. Like, and you know, it's coming, Oh, this song's coming, this section's coming and you kind of preempt it. You're like thinking about it before it comes up and more often than not, I'll butcher it. And then, um, so over the years, I tried to eliminate that whole process so like every time there was a crazy feel or crazy part i would i would you know i would try and adapt it to be as flowy as possible so it was it was more i was trying to make it smarter i guess essentially i was making it easier (laughs) you know i would change parts so that maybe i was doing a linear sort of feel and i was bringing my pedals in in, into it so that i wasn't doing too many hands or or whatever i was i was pretty much simplifying parts not really like keeping the same idea there but making it as easy as possible to play Um, that has been something that i've sort of adapted over the years and then the these days when it's come to you know yeah these more straighter songs it's definitely a lot easier to sort of play live but i actually appreciate that because i can get into it and I don't have any, you know, there's still some tricky parts throughout each of the songs. I always, even if it's a straight song, there's got to be, there's some fill in there or some section that's like quite technical and whatnot. I'm going to say you hit hard already. And then let alone like if it's something, <laughs> they give the drummer even more opportunity to hit hard. Yeah, exactly. It gives you more <laughs> space. You can just really just lay into it and, and, and go for it. So yeah. it's fun. It's good fun. It's just different for me as well. It's not like, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself like an electronic drummer or like a drum and bass drummer, you know, like, so it's like a new challenge, I think, which is nice. Something different. There was a lot of cool <clears throat> and different drum parts in the last album. Like even the, the, I forgot which song it was and it could be, could have been more than one, but there is like a, a drum and bass yeah, okay. part. Yeah. It, and it and that's hard to follow. So, <laughs> like, like it, it sounds awesome, but it's still, to me, technical. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. wow. 
Yeah, the song you're referring to is called Eclipse. And okay. I mean, I did make it, <clears throat> the original idea of what I heard was pretty much just like offbeat hats, kicks on all fours and then snares on two and four. But then I just, yeah, I was able to sort of make the hats a little bit more technical, I guess, and and they sort of groove a little bit more. So um, it's funner to play rather than just going like this like, <laughs> the whole time. You know, it is like there's a little bit more going on. Um, but I think the average person wouldn't hear any of that anyway. So <laughs> it's just fun for me. And, yeah. The last album was Alien, right? It was, yes. Yeah. You guys did something pretty cool on that where, it, like, it, I, for me personally, it was, like, one of the first times I had heard it. But because I've never heard it done in progressive metal like the way you guys did it, but it kind of bridged this gap between metal and new metal. And you guys, like, brought it back. Wow. And it was pretty thick. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I think there was some, I think there was some um, nostalgic vibes throughout it. Totally, and yeah. I think, well, what happened, so... This will make so much sense now. Now I'll tell you the story. And so <clears throat> initially, um, we got asked, or John got asked to write some songs for Limp Biscuit, <laughs> and and wrote a couple songs for them, um, and they never got back to him. And he was obviously scared that they were just going to take the songs and. He would just hear them on the next record or whatever. Um, <laughs> so he was like, I'm going to turn these into No Plains songs. And <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit, that's incredible. So Talking Heads and Bloodline were both originally written for Limp Bizkit. Those are moods that would be like my examples probably. <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah I, I, I thought it would make sense. So... Um, yeah, and then he like North Laned them, you know. And they were initially the the versions for Limp Bizkit were a lot straighter and weren't weren't as progressive, I guess. Um, and then when he North North Laned them, they got- that's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, the yeah. metal vibes were there. I mean, it was, you know, unintentional, really. Like he 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 was trying. He was writing for that band. Like he was trying to write that style, and then. I remember listening to the and being because I love Limp Bizkit, dude. One of my favorite bands when I was, you know, the, my first favorite band, you know. Um, and so I was like, dude, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you're doing this for one. And then, like, just hearing the songs, I was like, these are sick songs, dude. So I was like into it straight away. So when when he was like, nah, we're gonna keep these, I was like, sick. <laughs> I love these songs. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty interesting. So then there won't be a new Limp Biscuit album for a while, I take it. <laughs> I, I imagine not. I mean, <laughs> if by the way they're going about it. Had, I mean, they probably could have already had a record out by now. Yeah, true. <clears throat> it's so weird we're talking about this because just like last week, I went on a binge before going to bed of like watching Limp Biscuit live videos. Nice. You know, just, <laughs> just watching Fred be all like Fred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like there was the ones that like Woodstock and stuff. So good. Yeah, I think it's Woodstock, is it? Yeah. It's also funny because they clearly don't play to a click. So like, <laughs> yeah, everything is just like way faster and just super <laughs> sped up. And yeah, 
it's like the intro will come in at like one tempo, but then like, is John still the drummer, John Otto? Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. yeah. So like, he, you know, he would come in and like, it'd be like just even faster because he'd be all hyped and he'd be super hyped. Yeah. <laughs> John Otto. Yeah, dude. I remember we played a, we played a festival with Limp Bizkit in Melbourne. It was Download Festival. And like John Otto, I had John Otto's signature sticks when I was a kid. Like, I loved John Otto. He was my first favourite drummer. First drummer, I was like, oh, my God, I have to learn these parts. Like, that's, <laughs> I, I remember it vividly. Anyway, I walked past him and I was like, oh, my God. I got, <laughs> I got this thing where I don't really want to meet my heroes because <laughs> I, I don't want them to amount to anything less than I can open up to be. So this is a moment where I was like, holy fuck, John Otto. <laughs> so I just sort of sort of went past him and I was like, yeah, good set, man. Good set. <laughs> and then he's like, cool. Thanks, man. And I, and I walked away like, oh, I had so much more to say to you. <laughs> and I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> I had, I had like the pole. So I, I played, we played at a grass pop one time yeah. with uh, an old band and they were headlining that same night. And we were obviously on a much smaller stage, but you know how like, at those festivals, you kind of sometimes share like the same yes, yeah. backstage area. So I'm like, we've already played. And, you know, after we've played, I'm like, okay, cool. It's party time. I can just go watch some sick bands and whatever. And I knew Limp Biscuit was about to go on. So like I grab a beer or something and I'm like making my way to the front. And there's a, there's fucking West Borland and he is all dressed up like how he normally does and like weird face paint and stuff. And my reaction just literally, I don't know why I did this, but I just, I saw him and I just turned the opposite way. <laughs> like, it was, it was almost like I was just overwhelmed. And I just, I was like, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100% going to come off like an idiot. So I just walked away. Yeah. That sounds I'm like me. It was fun. Yeah. I know that feeling too well. It's like, oh my God. You were you were on a poster on my wall, <laughs> and now you're now you're alive and living in front of me. <laughs> Similar sort of story, sort of. <clears throat> I was at the Benny Greb Clinic. Uh, I don't know what year it was. It must have been like two years ago. And um, we were watching. My friend and I were watching a f- uh, the first drummer. I forgot what his name was, but um, I didn't know Benny Greb was standing right next to us. And um, he was blocking my mate's view. And my mate is very abrupt and he actually shoved him over. (laughs) And I didn't even realize, but then Benny looked at me and just laughed. And I'm like, you just, you know, you just shoved Benny Greb over. And the look, (laughs) yeah. And the look on his face was just like, he almost went pale like a ghost. It was crazy. But yeah, he's like a lovely guy. Though I'm sure he was okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he just laughed it off. Like I think he knew. Yeah. It was. He he may have even thought it was a joke or something. Right. Because <laughs> who who just pushes <laughs> Benny Grab? <Yeah. laughs> Get out of here! Benny. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Poor Benny. <laughs> um. But going back to the the new stuff you're working on, what's your preparation, your personal preparation in terms of drum parts? 
for this new Northland stuff? Um, so over the years of trial and error, mainly error, <laughs> um, I've, I've learned a couple of things that work for me. Um, and it kind of all amounted into Alien. Like Alien was easily like the smoothest session I've done based on my preparation. So initially, obviously I get sent um, demos from John, which I, I mean, this year it was, it was, he, I remember he sent us like, and he, he usually will send like a, a couple of songs to start with, you know, like he's still working in a bunch, but he's like, yeah, these are good enough to show. But this time around, he sent like 10 songs. And I was like, oh, God, it's a lot to take on. <laughs> I, remember, I remember just like having to listen to it for ages. I remember he was like, what do you think? What do you think? And I was like, dude, I'm still, I have to, I'm still absorbing this. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of information. Uh, obviously, I loved it, but I need to, I don't, I don't, I'm not the person who's going to listen to something once and be like, I'll give you my, grand opinion on it and all my reasons why like I have to I have to really absorb it and, uh, and really understand it first um and I guess it's pretty much like I'm, I'm trying to decipher the Da Vinci code <laughs> because he's writing you know he's writing parts he's not a, he's not a drummer he has a like a crazy sense of of how parts should sound though and like the way he writes it's all from that perspective so it's all how it should sound and I guess my job is to sort of turn that into actually, you know, an actual reality in terms of like how it should be played. So I'm trying to decipher his parts. And a lot of the time he comes up with things that I think and most drummers just wouldn't come up with because he doesn't have the boundaries that I think a lot of drummers have, um, especially myself. You know, I think growing up learning drums and learning um yeah, just learning drums in general. When you taught taught things, obviously those things come with boundaries. You know, whatever it might be, um, whether it's triplets or going from triplets into sixteenth notes, it's like oh, it's, it's, it can be abrasive or whatnot. You know, I, I have that sort of thought in my head where someone like John will just be like, right, whatever, just go for it, try it. You know, um, that's a probably poor example, but you kind of get the idea of how I'm. How I'm sort of yeah, sort of taking it on. So it's interesting to uh, hear how he sort of comes up with drum parts because, like I said, he'll come up with shit that I just would never come up with. I would just never even go there. So um, I find that really cool. Um, and yeah, initially I just listen to it, absorb it, and then I start writing it out onto sheet music. Uh-huh. Um, and that's like my first sort of stage. Um, I think this is really unorthodox these days, considering everyone can just look at MIDI and, and, and read that like it's almost sheet music or get something that transcribes it into sheet music. But like the process of actually writing it out for me is like a really important one because it allows me to understand where everything is in relation to one another. <coughs> so like where these kicks are in relation to the snares in the bar or like where the fill is. Um, or whatnot you know just for me it really helps me sort of just understand it from like a bare bones perspective and I'll, I'll, I'll pretty much just write bare bones drums so it's like I'm learning the most basic sort of version of what I'm given once I can turn that and then I can sit on the kit and I can just practice to a metronome at any tempo you know I don't have to practice I'm not going to just jump onto the songs uh, tempo straight away. I'll sort of build up into it, especially if there's fast parts. 
Um, basically, I'm just trying to create muscle memory initially and just learn everything um, as best I can so that when once I do feel comfortable, I don't need to read any of the music that I've written. I sort of can just fully play through. It's all in my head. Um, the parts are sort of coming to me. The fills are coming to me. Then I can, um, then I can sort of start getting a little bit more creative. Yeah. Once that muscle memory is there, then it's like, okay, I sort of let things happen naturally um, and, and see, if, you know, sometimes it's fill, sometimes it's ghost note patterns that sort of come um, or whatever it might be. I just sort of let it sort of happen naturally from that point on in terms of creating, like putting this, this, the icing on the cake kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then I will start recording myself like crudely um, but just to, just to create like a feedback loop so I can then, you know, cause obviously when you're playing, you can, you can play and you think you played it amazing. And then you look back at a video and you're like, I was <laughs> rushing that whole section. That feel was so sloppy, you know? Um, so your perception is a little bit different. So I think it's really important to have a phase where you start recording, whether it be like you actually recording your drums or just filming yourself play whatever it is yeah i think that is like for me that's a super important phase because that's when i can tighten the screws over everything i can notice the parts that need work and the parts that yeah it's usually parts i'm racing the shit out of that i need to i need to figure out i need to create like a mental note and say this section just sit back in this section because naturally i want to it's a fast section and my perception is that it's fast so i generally race it you know so i need to create sort of mental uh, bookmarks for these, these sort of sections. And then from there on, it's kind of just like doing that over and over. So continue to record myself playing these songs, continue just tightening the screws until I get to the studio. And by the time I got to the studio, then since I've been like practicing recording myself, I guess, I find that I have a, a lot less pressure on me when I'm in the studio because I know I've already recorded the songs. <clears throat> that, that sort of headspace is really important for me from a confidence perspective. Like, yeah. Um, that's, that's something that I added in for Alien, which is like the whole recording process, which I had never done before. Just, I can't believe I'd never done it before because it helps so much. Um, but yeah, it, it I, I definitely noticed a huge change in my confidence when I was in in the studio because I was just totally calm. I knew all I knew I had already recorded it pretty much, and by doing obviously by then doing it again, but professionally in a, in a in a better environment, not just with my phone or EAD or whatever. Like it yeah. made it a lot easier for me to sort of just do my thing and not second guess anything. <laughs> 